Hey everybody, welcome back to the Wealthy Idiot Show. We have a show for you today. We're talking job reports, debt crisis, the stock market, interest rates and what's happening with those, and also what you may be able to find on the beaches of California. After the news, we have a reaction to a video where I actually land more on the conservative side than the Ramsey crew. And lastly, we're going to talk about an interesting way to view your finances as you're starting out your investing journey. You won't want to miss it. Stick around. Welcome back. My name's AJ. Before we get into the news, make sure to click that like button for the YouTube algorithm. It helps us out tremendously. And in exchange, we'll make sure that you're financially smarter than your friends, which is the ultimate goal here. That's what we're trying to accomplish. Let's get into the first article. NerdWallet reports May job data shows strong growth even as unemployment rose. Unemployment ticked up in May, but employers kept pumping out jobs more than enough to beat expectations. So it looks like we expected jobs to be at 190,000 increase, and it was at 339,000, which is outstanding. But weirdly, the unemployment rate rose to 3.7 from 3.4. This doesn't mean a whole lot. What that means is that uh, there's more people entering the market than before, meaning that they may have tried to start their own business and were not counted in the unemployment stats, and now they're going back into job hunting and they're looking for something. So it could mean that like major corporations and businesses are the ones who have to report these jobs that are being opened, and they may be reporting new jobs, but smaller businesses that don't report these things, self-employed people, or just people living in their mother's basement who turn around and start looking for work, don't suddenly have work simply because more jobs got created. So the unemployment rate could increase even though the number of jobs available is also increasing at the same time. This may be good news, We're going to have to wait month to month to see for sure. It doesn't really tell us anything useful yet. It pretty much says the economy is chugging along with seemingly almost no impact from interest rate increases in the Federal Reserve, which is bizarre. USA Today reports that debt ceiling plan passes the Senate. Who wins? Everyone. And here's why. I'm not entirely sure that that's true, but it looks like it has passed the House now. It has passed the Senate. It's up to President Biden to go ahead and confirm it. And he most likely will because this is the deal that him and McCarthy, the Republican majority leader of the House, have actually agreed on ahead of time. So he will most likely sign this and it will go into effect. The compromise looks something like this. There's a whole bunch of people on the left side of the spectrum that want to spend seemingly into oblivion, like as if there's no consequences to spending at all, which is very bizarre. And there's the other side, the far right side, which is looking for some kind of cutback to the spending. Where we ended up in the middle is just a slight increase in spending. That's where the middle was. It wasn't like, let's keep things the same and work on this over the next year. Um, It was like, let's increase spending like 5%. Does that work for everyone? Everyone high-fived each other and we all moved on. For those of you who follow the channel and who kind of pay attention to the stuff we talk about, leveraging is one of the most powerful tools you can use for wealth building. And it means taking out debt to build wealth. And one of the things that we have explained on this channel is that when you take out debt, especially over a really long period of time, like a mortgage, that debt gets devalued as time moves on. Meaning if I have, like, let's say just, you know, for the sake of a property, for example, if I buy a property and I get 75% of that property financed, let's say that 75% equals $100,000. And let's pretend I never have to pay that debt down. It's just $100,000. Well, 
30 years from now, that house is going to be worth significantly more than when I bought it. It could be worth a million, could be worth two million, and that debt is still only $100,000. And it's no longer, you know, 75% of the overall house value. It's now somewhere closer to like 10%, 5%, maybe even lower as a result of the fact that inflation occurred. So one of the things that happens and one of the reasons I think that the government does what it does is that they create a bunch of debt and in order to devalue that debt, in order to make sure that we stay on top of it, they turn around and print a bunch of money and then use that money to try and pay things down like the debt. And what that does is it causes inflation, which devalues the debt. It means it's no longer as significant to our GDP as it previously was. And we did that during the pandemic pretty significantly. And now we're paying those inflationary prices, which is what is occurring. But the debt looks smaller on paper than it did before, even though it's technically growing. And I think that's what's occurring here. And I think both parties understand this for the most part, and they're coming together in order to achieve this because they know not only does it help the government, it helps anyone with significant amounts of debt where they're using that debt to create wealth, i.e. the wealthy people. And if you're shocked the government might be helping the wealthy people, you haven't been paying attention. So moving on to our next article, Financial Times, investors bet Fed will keep interest rates higher for longer. So there's places where it, uh, people will go to bet on pretty much anything. And one of the things people bet on is whether or not the Federal Reserve is going to increase or decrease interest rates. And it looks like despite all the stuff that's happening, and despite last week when we talked about how they're talking about maybe reducing their intensity on interest rates, they may not in fact be doing so. It looks like most investors are betting on interest rates going up uh, for the time being. And the next time the Federal Reserve meets will be in mid-June. We'll certainly report on it when it comes and we'll tell you if they raise the interest rates, if they're keeping it the same. And we can also look at the language that Jerome Powell used in order to see if he expects to be continuing to do that in the future. It looks like they wanna take a really strong stance on reducing inflation. They want investors, job seekers, businesses, etc., to understand that inflation is their primary goal and they're not going to stop from political pressure or any other pressure to try and curb this inflation and get it back under control. And I think we're all just kind of hoping and praying that we get this under control and then we just kind of scooch along as if nothing happened. Um, it does seem weird. I know we've been talking on this channel for a while how the Federal Reserve keeps promising some kind of economic impact and we still haven't really seen a tremendous economic impact. I just don't see how one couldn't happen at some point. I feel like something's got to break, but I don't know. We just keep chugging along. So when the Federal Reserve meets next, we'll report on it for sure. But it looks like interest rates are at least expected to remain the same for the time being. And we should keep operating as if that's the case. As for the stock market, it looks like the stock market is on a little bit of a rise. This is the S&P 500. And since Thursday, June 1st, um, it looks like it kind of started going up. That was around the same time as the debt ceiling was passed through the Senate. So it looks like investors are kind of sitting around waiting for things to become solid before getting back into the market. We would recommend that you just continue investing over time and don't worry about what the market does. The data shows that that's actually better. And look at all these people who are jumping in when they feel the market's better. They're inflating the values of these um, assets that we bought last week at a discount. So. Keep purchasing regardless of what happens, and we're going to come out on top. But it is interesting to note that uh, the economy did get better after the debt ceiling was passed. So lastly, a woman in a California beach finds an ancient mastodon tooth. If you don't know what a mastodon looks like, it looks like this. 
A woman taking a Memorial Day weekend stroll on a California beach found something unusual sticking out of the sand, a tooth from an ancient mastodon. But then the fossil vanished, and it took a media blitz and a kind-hearted jargon to find it again. Jennifer Shu found the foot-long tooth sticking out of the sand on Friday at the mouth of Aptos Creek in Rio Del Mar State Beach, located off Monterey Bay in Santa Cruz County on California's central coast. I'm like, right down the street from there, I need to go look for some mastodon teeth. I will see you guys later. I'm just kidding, but that's crazy. Like just the thought of finding a mastodon tooth that is a foot long while walking on the beach is an insane idea. Let's take a look at this tooth real quick. Look at that guy. That's huge. It blows my mind that animals like this have walked the earth at some point. Like, that's just insane. I know my kids and I love watching stuff about this. It's super fun to see. So I hope you guys appreciated that little bit of, of California slash Mastodon history news all coming together this week. I found a great reaction for you guys this week. It's not Dave Ramsey, but it's from the Ramsey crew. Um, I just find it more interesting to find videos to react to about stuff that I generally disagree with so that way we can kind of break down the nuance between all these different financial opinions, which is why I talk a lot about cash value life insurance and I talk a lot about Dave Ramsey's stuff because I just think there's a lot of interesting content there in just discussing that space and how all that stuff works. Um, but I found a video where I actually think I'm on the more conservative side of the answer that is given here. And I wanted to highlight why I think the way that I do, um, because I think it's really important. I, th I think that uh, as we're growing in our financial journey and we're getting to a place where we can make some serious decisions like purchasing expensive cars, there are things that we should consider in order to make sure that we don't mess up this wealth building journey while also treating ourselves for things that we deserve. So let me put my headphones on. We'll get into the video and see what they have to say. We're going to open this hour with our friend Scott in Indianapolis, Indiana. Scott, welcome to The Ramsey Show. Uh, thank you. Uh, my wife and I have a not, not necessarily disagreement, but just trying to get uh, guidance on how much for a, a new car is, is appropriate to spend. Okay, talk us through this. What's your financial situation? Well, uh, we're debt-free, and we'd be paying with cash. Um, and uh, we generally drive cars into the ground. So I've had mine for 12 years and uh, bought it two years. Uh, it was two years old when I bought it and uh, looking at uh, stepping up a bit. But a lot's changed in the world in 12 years since we've bought a car. And so just trying to get a handle on how much to spend. I'm not going to harp on this one too much. I disagree with the idea of using cash to buy vehicles like this. Because you can usually get great loan rates on vehicles, um, especially someone who's older, doesn't have any debt, good credit score, you can get a loan rate between like 2 and 5%. And if you can get that loan rate, then take that cash and invest it into something. And what will happen is you will get the growth off of that investment. And that growth will be greater than the cost of borrowing the money. So yeah, you're still spending money. Like there's no way around that. But at least instead of, you know, spending all of your money or in a worst case scenario, taking out investments to get the cash and paying taxes, um, you could do, you know, put money into the investment or keep it in the investment, let it continue to grow and then get a loan. And that will, it's almost like you're getting 5% interest 
on the car loan. Like you're making 5%. Now I know that's not for everybody. And I get people every time I say something like this in my DMs telling me how horrible a person I am. But if you're good with debt and you're good with money, that's the way that I would take it. And I have taken it that way. And I've already covered most of the cost of this car, if not the entire car by the end of this six years. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I recommend at least thinking about it. I can't recommend that you do it, but at least think about it. I'd like to get an Alfa Romeo. Whoa. Uh, hey, now. Which, uh, you know, it, it's a pretty car. Um, now, I currently drive a 5 Series BMW. Okay. Uh, but I got the tax uh, appraisal, and it's worth like 4000 bucks now. And it's like, well, you know, maybe I need a, a, a new car because I've had this one for 12 years. How but, much is the Alfa Romeo you're looking at? I'd be about 90. Oh, okay. All All right, right. and you've got the cash to pay for it. Yes. All right, to be clear about that previous statement, you still have to have the cash to pay for the car. I just recommend investing it instead of using it to buy the car, but you still have to have the cash. So my method doesn't exclude you from needing the cash in order to buy the car. So you've been following that plan. You said you're debt-free. Do you have a paid-for house? Yes, yes. So uh, uh, I first heard Dave in 1998. Wow. And I've uh, been following the plan since then. So we have a net worth of about $3.5 million. And, well, that uh, changes the equation, my friend. Yeah. Way and, to go. And what's your income currently? Uh, yeah, probably about five a year. 500000 a year? Yeah. Yeah. And so your wife is saying 90000 because you've never you've lived like no one else. 500000 a year? Dude is making bank and he's worth 3.5. I'd want to know how much he's worth, not including his personal residence, though, because that changes what I'm going to say at the end here. It's unbelievable. So what's the disagreement here, Scott? She just doesn't like the price tag or what? She's saying it's too much? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, our first house was only like a a 200 and, uh, you know, and and we've been looking at cars and a lot of the cars don't cost what they cost 12 years ago. Right. Granted, this is a really nice car, but... She is emotionally grappling with the fact that a car could cost $90,000 and you want it. Well, yeah, I, I, I think that's it. Right? What's the and, number uh, that she's okay with? If it, if 90 is a bit much in her eyes, what's the number she goes, oh, I'm fine with this number? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, in case she hears this later, I don't want to uh, hear it from her, but, you know, I spent 30 on the last car, and so she's like, well, why not spend 35? And But that doesn't go... <laughs> that's, a, that's a valid point she's in her head she's thinking that was 30 just increase it a little bit like what's the big deal and he's thinking like we have 3.5 million dollars i have a job that yeah i have a job that produces 500k a year he's like i just don't see why we can't spend it on a cool car like this one and i think that the answer is for people who are super frugal and this is me too so i'm right alongside you guys and i'm right alongside his wife here um you have to create rules that work for your own financial journey that you are willing to follow in order to ensure that you can spend the money that you're um you're you're building you're the wealth that you're building right so it, it could be really easy to get into the habit of of thinking like every dollar and and the um the thing we're gonna do in the next segment is is gonna totally wipe out what i'm saying right now i'll, sh- I'll show you what i'm talking about but when when you get to the mindset of like every dollar can compound over time and become worth a lot more and that will provide for our financial future it becomes so much harder to separate yourself with that dollar 
So you have to create rules where you're like, this is how much we can spend. And one of the things I do is we have a projection of net worth over time for our family. What we think our net worth will be each year and where we should be at. And then if we beat that, we take the difference and then I take a percentage of that difference. So if the difference is like $50,000 and I'm going to take, you know, 30 20% of the difference, something to that effect. And that's the amount of money that we get to spend to do things that are fun things, not needs, right? So vacations, new cars, Alfa Romero's, whatever. Um, and he could do something similar, you know, create a rule that will make his wife feel a bit better here. But I would recommend that, especially to those of us who struggle with spending money. As far as it used to. No. And uh, it's a percentage of our net worth. You know, we're worth like 10x what we were yes yeah on the the ramsey side you guys are in in amazing shape and there's no problem with getting this ninety thousand dollar car but this is not really a financial question this is more of a relational question how do i get my wife on the same page so that i can get the car yeah i'm not even necessarily trying to you know it's just you know how how you know we didn't grow up with this kind of money right so uh you know on one hand the intellectual side of it's pretty straightforward because I can do ratios and, and whatnot. Yeah. But, well, well, you've you know, listened to Dave for a long time. George, you can refresh him. Let's just play out the, the percentages. Yeah, you've got multi-million dollar net worth, and you're saying, hey, can I spend a tiny, tiny fraction of that on a car that we're paying cash for and is well under half of our income? In that scenario, it's hard to look at the math and go, wow, this is an outrageous expense. But I get that your wife, she remembers the old days, and she's going, man, that's way too much to be spending on a car. But you guys have worked, you've sacrificed, you've lived like no one else, and now is the part where you get to live like no one else. How old are you, Scott? Um, uh, about 50. Just yeah. turned 50. It's hard <laughs> to say out loud. I know. I could tell you were like, oh, about 50. Uh, it's like when we're <laughs> exactly all, it's all when we're nine, we're like, I'm nine and a half. Thank you very much. Just rounding. Yeah. Rounding you know what? If you said your wife's fine and it's not a getting her on board issue, it's just you wanted to double check your percentages. Well, you got your answer. I'd buy the car. All right. Well, uh, what does she get know. out of the deal? Well, I'm trying to get her a nicer car. <laughs> I could get her a, a, a Land Rover or something, but, uh, hers is not as many miles on it as mine. She, she drives the kids around, so I don't mind what I drive, but yeah. I figure if we're going to get something new, we should get something good. Well, let Probably her dream a little bit. Car. You guys have done so well. Does she like buying stuff, or is she very, still very diligent and frugal and, and says, ah, that's that's a waste? Yeah, I mean, really the only thing we splurge on is trips. So we like to get the kids out and travel, but we, we just don't spend a lot. Well, take well, her on a nice trip. Yeah. I mean, have you driven this, uh, this Alfa Romeo? Have you taken it out for a spin? Well, uh, I, 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 I will. I haven't yet. Uh, I'm very <laughs> weary of car fever, so well, I'm, that's, I'm inoculated against car fever. I get it, and I think you've been very disciplined. I'm actually going to recommend that. You know, why don't you go out and drive a $60,000 car? You know, I understand the, the $90,000 Alfa Romeo and the percentages, and you're there, but, you know, just try several things. Um but you don't have anything to be afraid of. Making the kind of money you're making and you're debt-free and the percentages here say it's good. But, you know, go drive the thing, you know. Um, y- y- they'll let you do it. You got the cash. You can show them. It's right there in the bank. Um, drive a few. Drive a few other amazing things. Get it out of your system a little bit and then decide what you want to do. But, you know, you've done the right things and now at f- almost 50, uh, or you are 50, I can't remember what he said, you know, you uh, – you've earned it and uh you two got to be on the same page though you know what i mean like no, you're the, agreed. agreed yeah 
And that's the key. I think as long as you do that, um, that's fantastic. Yeah, great question, Scott. Fantastic job. You guys have put yourself in a fantastic position. I was hoping he had a story position. for us, George. Well, he'll come back. He'll call us back. You know, those cars, by the way, there's a reason they cost what they cost. What is that? High performance. Is that it? Yeah. I always thought it was great branding and marketing. No. No. Uh, f- for Father's Day, about five years ago, Stacy and the kids surprised me, and uh, I got to do seven laps on a road course in a Lamborghini. We're talking a racetrack here. Oh, yeah, a real racetrack. Lamborghini Diablo, okay? There's a difference. I was terrified. And the instructor's in the car with me. So he's like, look. Is it one of those fake steering wheels? He's like, this is going to feel like you're going to flip the car, but it will not flip. you got to trust me. I'm like, I don't trust you, man. (laughs) I mean, the speed and the power in these cars. How fast did you take it? Uh, honestly, George, I was so focused on the road, I never looked. You never looked down. I listen. Was it's it so exhilarating and terrifying at the same time? Was it 150? Oh yeah, on the 200? straightaways, I got it up to 200. Very impressive. Well, you guys like your cars, I'll give you that. But do it with cash, people. Do it the right way. Do not go into debt, and do it like Scott did, completely debt free. Way to go, Scott. with a multi-million dollar net worth. Half America's going yawn. Scott, buy the car. Do it, man. <laughs> this is the Ramsey Show. I mean, I think it's probably a combo of like both uh, good branding and performance. I don't think it's like one or the other on that one, but I could be wrong. Um, this is where I disagree. So I think in Dave's rule, it's something like things with motors should never equal half of your annual income. And uh, and you shouldn't be buying new cars until after you have like a million plus dollars. Something to that effect. I do struggle with that a little bit because in this guy's case, he could buy a $250,000 car. If we exclude his home, let's pretend his home is worth $500,000. So that gives him a $3 million net worth. If you were to use the 4% rule, which is the Trinity study suggests that for a 30-year retirement, if you take out only 40% of your non-personal residence net worth every year, and spend that, that you will have enough money to last your entire retirement. If we take $3 million and we do the 4% rule on it, we get $120,000. So right now, if they were to retire, they could use $120,000 a year. Um, but his annual income is at $500,000 a year. So the question I would have for him before I started saying, yeah, go buy the car, is what is your annual expense? Like, how much do you spend? I imagine after taxes, they probably bring in somewhere between 300 and 350. And then let's say they spend, you know, 200 grand to live, you know, with their house and everything else that they have. Um, Could they fit that into that 200 grand? Or you got to look at it as two is like, you're not in a position to retire. Like if you're spending 200 grand, you can only retire on 120. Those two numbers have not balanced out yet. You still have to like, get to that financial independence stage, right? So I would recommend, you know, in his case, if he was to call me, um, let's check to see what your expenses are and make sure that your expenses are lower than what you could retire on and your net worth. Then after that, maybe the rule that we could use in order to ensure that you're not spending too much is you don't ever spend more in a year than 4% of your total net worth. So if he gets up to $6 million, he could spend $240,000 a year. And let's say his annual expenses are generally 200. Well, now he has 40K that he can go and use to buy a car with. Maybe he saves that up for two years, turns around, he can buy an $80,000 car. Let's say we get his net worth up to 9 million or 12 million. And he could start spending 
like four hundred plus thousand dollars a year, maybe even five hundred thousand dollars a year, and his yearly expenses are still in like the two hundred dollar range. I I would say, yeah, go for it. You could do it at that point. So in my head, I think the financial independence part is one of the most important parts. And I think in, you know, like Dave Ramsey, they're like into the debt part. But um, I don't in I think on a more conservative side for this one, I would tell him not to buy the car. So that ends our segment for our reaction today. Uh, If you have a different idea for that one, please go to the comments and let me know. I'm super interested to see what you guys would think about what he should do if he should buy the car. Um, I'm going to move on now to this thought that I had, and I'm a huge spreadsheet junkie. So I sit down and I think of stuff in terms of numbers in spreadsheets. It's why when someone presented whole life to me, they were like, here's whole life. Here's all the information. I sat down in a spreadsheet and was like, this is a terrible idea. And then their response to that is generally like, you know, life sometimes throws things at you that you can't put in a spreadsheet. I'm like, okay, but you understand this doesn't work on paper, right? Um, So I started thinking about what if we started, you know, we took an average person and took their average life and I figured out what their income should be ish in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, etc. And thought, okay, how much would you invest to get to a good place when you retire? And how much should you spend? And what would that look like? And I also kind of wanted to know something interesting, which was if you were to spend money early on in this endeavor. Uh, How much would that impact your final retirement? Like, what would that really cost you? One of the things I think is interesting when I get into debates with people is a lot of people have not even decided that becoming wealthy is even possible and is within their grasp, right? And I could explain things to them like, look, you make this amount of money. You could be investing this amount based off of what you tell me, and that will yield you multiple millions of dollars when you retire. Do you want to do that? And their answer is still, that does not shake them. And I find that extremely interesting. So I thought I'm going to present this in a little bit different way and see what you guys think. All right. So don't be scared about what you're looking at on the spreadsheet here. It's um, what I've done. And you can ignore most of the stuff that's down here is I figured out that, you know, most people in their 20s make somewhere between 30 and... 40-ish thousand dollars, and that's what's kind of demonstrated here, and their income, um, I set to grow every year at about 5% on average. So if we start, this is the age here, 27, 28, 29, and if we start getting down uh, deeper in the 30s, people will start making between 50 and 60, um, and then in their 40s, somewhere between 80 and 100, and their 50s, somewhere between 100 and 150, etc. So you have growth over time. And I went and looked at the averages of income per age, and this is pretty close. So in some areas it's lower, some areas it's higher, but overall, this is pretty close for averages at each age, which means for the average person, this, this, this information is accurate. Um, and something that I noted, so let's say the average discretionary rate. So what I was thinking here was how much do you have available to spend on things that are outside of needs? And you should and this, you know, this is what's this is going to break people a little bit. You should be spending less than 50% of your income on needs. Your housing should cost you about 25%. Everything else should cost you about 25%. I understand that most people don't have it set up that way, but I'm just letting you know what it should be at. But I'm going to start by saying, let's pretend that our we have 15% of our income in order to spend. And that's this discretionary spending column here. So this person at the age of 20, can spend four, uh, $4,500 on anything that they want. And right now, I just assume that they're investing it. 
And if we look at the total net worth here, they will retire with it. This is inflation adjusted. So we're ignoring inflation, meaning that we've, we've already calculated it in here. We don't have to worry about it. So in today's numbers, this is 2.7 million. They'll have at retirement, but in like, you know, future numbers, it'll actually be more than that, but it'll effectively be 2.7 million. Um, and their estimated retirement income will be $108,000. So one thing I've noticed, and I got to apologize a little bit to um, Chris from Life 180. I said, you know, 15% is good when you're young. Um, and I did some math to show that that's the case. The dilemma is that most people will make more money when they're older. So our buddy here is making just, you know, about 240, 250K a year. And um, their retirement income, if they only invest this 15%, is 108. So those two things don't match up. So the reason I had it set to 27, which was interesting, is that we could look at our person's retirement money spending. They're spending about $187,000 a year on living, and their retirement income is 194. It's actually higher than their current living expenses, right? So 27% seems to be the number that works for a 20-year-old. But also keep in mind that, you know, further in life you could invest more than you do now, like you don't have to grow your lifestyle. You could just take, you know, any lifestyle or any bonuses or promotions and you could just invest that money. And that would change these figures a little bit, but we're going to go with the average person just investing 27% of their income and it seems to work and they get to a final net worth of 4.8 million dollars, which is outstanding. So just the average person with average incomes at every part of their life is making, could have the potential to be at nearly $5 million at retirement. And I wanted to highlight that part specifically. So the people who are saying like the American dream is dead, it's not possible, you can't do this. The average person is capable of doing this. Now, what happens isn't that 27% gets invested. What happens is a lot of it gets spent. So I've added a column in here called spent. And the idea is I'm going to take away from this discretionary spending and I'm going to spend it. So instead of investing it right now, it's automatically being pushed. Like this is how much money we have free every year. Um, or at least for the first year, it goes up every year. And right now it's automatically being invested. But I'm going to spend $6,000 or I'm going to spend the entire $8,100 for the first year. That cost me $158,000 in retirement. And that's this potential loss column right here. So what's happening is $158,000 is what this $8,100 would have been had our person invested it and it stayed there the entire lifespan um, until they retired. So that's a huge impact. And what most people do at the age of 20 is they go get a car note. The average car loan is around $500 a month. And they get it for six years. And they're thinking like, I got a nice car. It could be like a nice Toyota. Could be new, could be used. Doesn't matter. We're paying 500 bucks a month on that car. And you're thinking like, well, I could afford 500 bucks a month. I have this $8,100 in discretionary spending. Um, I'll spend on a car and a little bit on investment. And this is not including things like insurance, cost of repairs, et cetera. It's just a gas. It's just the car itself gives us a potential loss of $600,000. Now, most people don't even last the whole time of this with their car. At some point, they go and trade it in. We're going to assume our person lasted the whole time, the whole loan. And then when they went back and traded in, they got like a slightly more expensive car. This is what most people are doing that are telling me that the American dream is dead. Let's see. Was that enough? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes. 
So, so far our two car purchases have cost us $1.1 million. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Like once you understand the impact of what you're doing to your overall retirement, you're destroying your retirement by making these purchases and it's hurting so incredibly bad. You get a mindset where you don't want to separate yourself from that money. You want to hold on to as much as possible and invest as much as possible because you know what impact it has later on in your life. And knowing that makes it so hard to spend. But just putting this, just putting two cars, nothing else, no Starbucks, um, you know, no gas, no other expenses for this person. Um, just putting that has destroyed their in, their income potential in retirement by like $50,000 and has already derailed them from being able to meet what it is that they want to do for retirement. That's all it took, just a tiny, tiny little bit. And well, I think what most people have a hard time with is that they see what it is they believe their life should be. And it could be through movies. It could be through commercials or through their friends. We talk about, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. And they think they have to be able to maintain that lifestyle or they at least should be able to. So they go and attempt to do it. And then they, they realize that they can't do it without debt. And they start looking around and they're like, well, I can't afford a house now because I bought this car. I did all these things. I can't, um, I can't do the vacations I wanted to do. Um, I, you know, I'm too high in debt now. And, and those things start to collect on your brain to the point where they start feeling like I can't succeed at this game. There's nothing I can do. And when someone sits down and tells them there is things that you could do, they can't see it because either A, they're not willing to make adjustments to make it happen, or B, they just don't believe those adjustments will actually work or have a significant impact. So lastly, before I sign off of my um, intense spreadsheet here, I wanted to kind of do something that would be interesting. Um, if you're 20 years old and you invest a dollar, by the time or if you spend a dollar, that dollar has a $19.63 uh, impact on retirement. So what that means is that every dollar spent is going to reduce your retirement portfolio, your retirement wealth by 19.63. Now that changes a smidge when you hit 30 years old. So we'll add the same dollar at 30. It's now only 998. This tells us two really important things. One is the amount of time you're in the market for investing, it has a tremendously higher impact. So when people are like, ah, I'll start investing when, and putting money in my 401k in my 30s and 40s, you know, when I have more money right now, I want to live. Seeing that that is going to impact you less. Every single dollar will impact you less when you get to that point. Um, but the other thing is, every single dollar is less impactful, meaning that it is now not as big of a deal to spend at that point in your life. Right, so we looked at our 50 year old example from the caller earlier. We could set a dollar at 50 years old, that has the potential to be two dollars and 58 cents. So it has the potential to double plus half, right? So, uh, 250 percent growth, so still significant, but nowhere near that original, like almost 20 times growth of a 20 year old investing. So I hope you learned a few things. I know that that's a little bit confusing. I love putting stuff into spreadsheets and, and thinking of stuff in different ways. I love that I was able to kind of discover like, you know, hey, I'm 38 years old. Ah, sorry, I had to get that out. And I could put in this 38-year-old category, you know, what it is I'm willing to spend on a specific item and I could see the impact it might take for me at retirement. And I've added the variables in here so I could see, you know, my income what I think my income growth would look like and what my returns might look like and how that might impact. And it helps me make a lot of decisions about like, hey, we need this thing, but do we really need 
the more expensive version of that thing. Like, you know, in our case of the caller from the Dave Ramsey clip, you know, we, we want this car, but do we really need the Alfa Romero? Could we do without that? I, I talk a lot about things like positive arbitrage, where I'm going to invest as opposed to taking that cash and buying a car with it. But I still drive like a Mitsubishi, like a cheapo eight-year-old Mitsubishi, one of the bottom-of-the-line versions. So I'm not trying to convince people to like go splurge and act like they're super duper wealthy. What I really want people to do is invest money, invest early, invest often. And that's going to be the thing that makes you wealthy in the long run. There's nothing you could spend. There's no credit card points that you could use. There's nothing magical about really anything except for just getting things into investments on a regular and consistent basis and leaving them there. That's the magic. That's going to make you wealthy. So thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it, guys. Make sure you like and comment down below. Um, hit subscribe, hit the bell so you don't miss any of our videos. And if you have any questions, toss them down below. We like to make videos where we answer questions as well. And I promise we will get back to our book club videos soon enough. So thanks for stopping by and I'll see you guys next time.